Our reading today is from Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52, and Colin McDougall is going to read it for us. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. The boy Jesus at the temple. Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Amen. And may the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his holy word. There we are, another six inches above contradiction. (laughs) Happy New Year, everybody. And when I did the intimation sheets on Friday for today, I kept the Happy New Year bit there because I felt we could go just an extra Sunday, the first Sunday, second Sunday into 2023. Gosh, doesn't time shoot by? A week's already gone by and there's 50, uh, I don't know how many, to next Christmas and so on. But, you know, yesterday was Christmas Day in the Orthodox Church. And doesn't that make you wonder a bit, you know, how, how come the Orthodox Christians celebrate Christmas on the 6th or 7th of this January, yet we celebrate it on the 25th? And I'm not going to go into that's not my sermon, I'm going into it all, but it's all to do with the calendars. And Julius Caesar, the one who invaded us in 50. 3 BC, he decided to unite this great big empire, Roman Empire. We all need to be singing from the same song sheet, so to speak. So he brought in the fact that we should have a calendar uh, and specific days. And so that's where the the, the Julian calendar comes from. Julius Caesar set the, the 12 months and names of Roman gods and so on. But the thing is, it's based on a lunar cycle to do with the moon and cycles of the moon and so on. And as we know, the solar system is, a, is you know, interaction of things revolving around one another, but there's slight perturbation, slight sort of wiggles in it, and things sort of are moving and drifting around, and, and we're actually moving slowly uh, closer to the sun and so on. So what they found by the, you know, the, even by the times of the early church fathers was that the the, the, the calendars were moving out of sync a bit, you know, and when it was supposed to be the equinox, equal night and equal day, it wasn't happening on the 21st of March, it was happening on the 22nd and so on. So things are starting to 
move out of sync. And by the Middle Ages, it was quite seriously out of sync, these 10 days out of sync. And so various attempts were made to bring in yet another new calendar, but finally it was Pope Gregory III in about 1550-something. I've got my dates wrong here. He managed to get the ball rolling. Right, we are going to change the calendars, and what we're going to do is we're going to cut off 10 days, and on uh, October the 4th of, of this year, the next day is going to be the 15th. So they took 10 days off the calendar. So suddenly, you know, 10 days, not 10 days, they're lost physically because the sun's still gone round, but they've all changed the numbering system. Uh, and that's where we come, have the Gregorian calendar, which is slightly more accurate. Um, it's 365.25 days in the Julian calendar and 365.24, something 24, something slightly shorter. You might think that that, well, what's a, what's a few decimal points, but it does make the difference, and the Gregorian calendar is more accurate than the Julian one. But in the 15th century, we've, all the church history has gone by, the Catholic church is here in Rome, and the Orthodox church, the, the right ones, because Orthodox means correct, you know, we're the right ones, so, uh, and... Uh, they stuck to the Julian calendar, and so they have Christmas on the 6th or the 7th, again, depending which part of the world they're in. So that sort of explains why the Ukrainians celebrated Christmas yesterday and why Putin, a very lonely-looking Putin, is in uh, a cathedral somewhere there in Russia on his own, being given communion by uh, the cardinal or patriarch of the church and so on. Right, let's move on into the message of today. And really, I'm continuing where James left off in Luke's Gospel. We do have um, the Magi story, as was uh, hinted at in the children's talk that Rona brought. I'm just going to continue in Luke's Gospel, where where James left off. Last last Sunday, James was talking about bringing Jesus, Jesus to the the temple for uh, you know, his, his sort of dedication to the Lord. And there was a prescribed uh, period of time. 33 days after his circumcision, Mary had to bring the baby to, uh, to the temple to be dedicated. They had to bring sacrifices and so on. And then we have uh, you know, Simeon making his, what was Zechariah, the prophetic words and so on. Well, we're moving on now. And... Jesus is 12 years old. So what happened in those, you know, 11, and 11 years and 11 months and so many days? We, do, we just don't have anything apart from this story, which is Jesus' childhood in, in the Gospels. Now, there are a lot of things in the Apocrypha, and even in the Quran has a story about Jesus making birds out of sparrows, out of clay, and flying, flying away, and various miracles that happened, and people that Jesus cursed, and people who were raised from the dead. Now, these are all apocryphal stories, stories that were written centuries after Jesus' birth, people trying to cash in on Jesus' life. We, are, we hold to the scriptures in the Protestant churches, and the apocrypha are there, for instruction and help and occasionally for getting in the culture, but they're not there for, for teaching and for doctrine. So really, it doesn't matter what Jesus 
did in those intervening years between his dedication to the Lord in the temple, his growing up, his following, uh, his parents uh, being taught and helped and so on. But we do have this in Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. So they regularly went. So I don't think it was just this one Passover that Jesus went with them to the temple because as devout Jews, Joseph and Mary were actually obliged to do three pilgrimage visits to Jerusalem. There was Pentecost uh, and there was uh, the, uh, the Shavuot uh, and uh, Sukkot, the three festivals, the, the Passover, the, the, the coming of the law, and uh, the, you know, the, the Feast of Tabernacles, living in the, in, in, in the little booths and things they built on their houses. So probably three times a year, Jesus, as a toddler and as a younger boy, would have marched the road from Nazareth to Jerusalem, which is about 90 miles. So it would take them about a week. If you think they were walking about six hours a day at probably two miles an hour because they're all chatting away and jostling along. There's friends and relatives and neighbors. And a, a group of people going from Nazareth to these festivals and of course, there's the backsliders, those who don't bother, but you know, the devout would have gone and kept the three festivals of the year. So Jesus was up and down probably several times, many times, to Jerusalem. And so he knew about the temple and so on. And he's learning, he's uh, being taught by his parents. And, uh, but we come to this particular Passover. And... Um, as Jesus, sorry, they, 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 they fulfilled all the rites of the, of the Passover. Did they take a lamb? I, don't, I doubt it. You know, they're pretty poor people, weren't they? They can only afford a pigeon and a dove in the, in the circumcision, so probably they had to buy the Passover lamb uh, from the priests at exorbitant price uh, and so on. They made their sacrifices, atonement for their sin. Um, but anyway, lots of people there. Throngs of people from all over uh, Israel, Judea, are there. You know, very easy for Jesus to get lost. And so mum and dad start heading off down the road. And a day's gone by. So that means they're probably 10, 15, maybe 20 miles down the road. And where's Jesus? Uh, you know, I, I, I thought he was with, with, with you know, the, the boxes down the road. I thought I saw him with them. So they hunt around amongst the, the crowd. Oh, he, he must still be in Jerusalem. So they go back. So that's another day's journey, more or less, back to Jerusalem. And then it says that they, they said for three days they're hunting for him in Jerusalem. And eventually they find him in, in, the, in, the, in the temple, sitting there, talking with the, with the, the teachers of the law and, and answering questions and asking questions. And Mary's absolutely fuming three four days they've been searching for jesus and so she says son why have you treated us like this your father and i have been anxiously searching for you you, you can you can imagine she would be really annoyed they've wasted all this time maybe the things they had to do back in nazareth and joseph had his commentary you know commitments to do and and so on 
they're really annoyed with Jesus that he has so wandered off. He's gone AWOL, absence, without leave. And Jesus' reply is, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? In other words, it was a, you know, I'm not sure how you actually say it, but D-O-H exclamation, you know. Uh, Wasn't it obvious where I should be in my father's house? So here we have Jesus alluding to the fact that Joseph was not his natural father by conception, but his adoptive father. Um, And Joseph had permitted Mary to bring a baby to birth that was not his because of the direction by the angel we read of in Matthew 1 verse 20. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which was conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph should have recollected that. This isn't just, you know, (laughs) my son. (laughs) This is a special child. Angelic revelations. Um, Then there's some scholarly debate about the world translated as house in the the Greek there. And if you've got an IV with you, you might see a little little F against house. Uh, And you think about the King James Version used to be, and Jesus says that... um, I was, didn't you know I should be about my father's business? Because the word house doesn't necessarily mean house. It can be translated as business or a more common thing, things. Did you know I should be about my father's things? And what is more appropriate for Jesus? I mean, he's not a descendant of, of Joseph, not physically, he, he's... He's a creation, well not creation, he's stepped from heaven into a body. And he's working all this out. He's in the temple there with the, the priests and the, and the scribes and the lawyer, those are uh, uh, the Torah specialists, and he's asking all these questions. He's exploring his divinity and his, uh, in, in the reality of his physical life. So he's talking about the things of God. And where else shouldn't he be but in the house of God? So the fact it's the things of God in the house of God is, I think, just, again, part of God's sovereignty in the choice of words and so on. But here we have Jesus exploring his divinity, exploring his uh, learning from those who should know what he should be doing. What age was he? the age of 12. Now, in the Jewish culture of today, when a, when a, a man or, or a boy or a girl gets to the age of 12, they have a bar mitzvah. They have a ceremony, a ritual, where the, the child uh, reads the Torah from the, you know, bar from the heart, not just from the scroll. Uh, and various things happen, which is the sort of coming of age of that child, no longer is the boy a, a, a boy. He's now a young man. He's responsible for his action, actions before the Lord. He can understand the law. He can read the law for himself. He can be a devout Jew in his own standing. He's no longer sort of under the protection of his father. He's now a man in his own right. 
And so some people would say that, right, this is Jesus' bar mitzvah uh, when he goes uh, with his mum and dad to Jerusalem. And he's, but he's not presented in the temple. There wasn't anything like that in Judaism. It wasn't until the Middle Ages in Poland that this whole thing of bar mitzvah and bar mitzvah, I think it's for, for girls, uh, came into being. But it is a coming of age because it's sort of at that age that people start to really grow up and get, grapple with life. So Jesus is of that age now where he's really becoming a man and looking at his manhood. So was Jesus being disobedient to his parents in lingering there in the temple? Clearly his parents were annoyed Although Joseph is silent and continues to be in the gospel narrative, apart from that little bit in Matthew, we barely hear him saying anything. Did he have any role other than you know, teaching his son maybe his, his carpentry skills? Or was he even a carpenter? You know, Joseph was a tecton. He was a craftsman. And probably he worked in stone as well as wood. So maybe even Jesus wasn't a carpenter, as we saw traditionally think. Maybe he, too, was a, a, a stonemason or one who worked with wood and stone. And around Nazareth, there was a major vanity building project going on by the uh, Roman uh, uh, procurator of the day. Uh, I can't remember the name of the town, but it's a huge, extensive Roman uh, ruins. It's still there. And maybe that Joseph and Jesus were caught up in the building projects of the Romans around them. Maybe he was just a quiet, working there in the stable, or in the stable, the, the, the work, workshop of Joseph, making perfect tables and plows that always dug up the stones and so on. Um, we don't really know, but Joseph, we hear little of him. Uh, uh, we, we know that there were other brothers and sisters of Jesus, natural ones. Uh, even in Luke, uh, sorry, in Matthew's gospel, it says that um, Joseph determined not to have sexual relationships with Mary until the baby was born. So we know that these, uh, Jesus was the, the firstborn by Mary, but the other brothers and sisters. And one of those is James, uh, who became a leader of the church in J- Jerusalem. And some would describe as the one who wrote the letter of James in the New Testament. So we have just these little nuggets around here of the life of Jesus. But was Jesus being disobedient to his parents? And really, if they had joined all the dots together, if really they had thought back of all the supernatural things that had accomplished uh, the birth of Jesus... Both of them had angelic visitations. There were times in the temple when old men and old ladies were singing and praising God and declaring things over him that he was going to be the saviour of the world. He was to be named Jesus, which means saviour, for he shall save his people from their sins. His name will be Emmanuel, God with us. They've heard all these things. These things have been shared with them. And, uh, And yet they hadn't so joined the dots together. Uh, and so, was he being disobedient to his parents? Well, I'm thinking the way he was, because maybe he should have said something to them, or maybe he shouldn't. But he was about his father's business, his natural, his heavenly father's business. 
And that's one who came under the law. And that's what Mary and Joseph were trying to do, bring him up under the law. 613 commandments in the Torah, things that Jews were supposed to do and were not to do. Um, Jesus walked the walk that no other Jew could do because he was perfect. He had a sinless body. He, didn't, he had the ability to sin. He could have chosen to uh, <coughs> listen to Satan and do the, th- the three things that happened in the temptation when his divinity and his, his person, personality as the, the sec- second Adam was being challenged by Satan. He could have done those things. He could have lusted after a woman. He could have used his power uh, in the wrong ways to bring a claim to himself. No, Jesus walked the walk and he talked the talk. And he kept all 613 uh, of the requirements of the Jewish law. Did he do that consciously any more than you and I driving our cars along the road with a, a book over here, the highway code of all the things we should and shouldn't do I mean, it was Jesus, you know, one of the laws about slavery was that you, you're not to sleep with your, to, with your slave's wife or something. You know, there's all sorts of laws about slavery. Jesus never had any slaves, but he came to set the, set the slaves free, us slaves, to sin. Um, in, in many ways, we drive our cars and ride our scooters or whatever we may do. In, in accordance with the highway code, it doesn't mean that we go through with a checklist like have disobeyed that one. You know, it's the spirit of the law, isn't it? And Jesus, when he was asked, which is the greatest of the 613 commandments, he said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And in, if you keep those two things, you'll keep all the rest. And that's how I believe Jesus walked. He didn't walk as, a, as a, a Jew under the law, uh, you know, well, uh, you know, I must do this and do that. Right. He did it sort of intrinsically because he was following the example of his parents and, and his culture. He rejected the things that he knew were uh, unbiblical, the little the jots and tittles of the Pharisees, the things they added on, you know, uh, and we see that coming out in his teaching. But he fulfilled the spirit of the law. He walked in the spirit. And uh, you think about uh, Paul's letter to the Romans uh, in chapter 8, verse 2. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Jesus walked the spirit-filled life. He was born of the Holy Spirit, conceived of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit um, (coughs) after his baptism, but walked always a spirit-filled life. Uh, but under the, you know, under the law of God. And that's how he, God wants us to live. He doesn't want us to have rule book Christianity where, you know, oh, I can do that and I can't do that. How do I get around doing that? Can I do that? Can I do that? He wants us to walk in the Spirit uh, and allow the Holy Spirit to, you know, to guide us. When you hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, don't turn to the left or the right, walk in this way. We, we are spiritual people. We don't need to have a rule book that tells us what to do and what not to do. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We have the, the, the scriptures 
to read and to, to guide us. Uh, and so we walk in obedience to him. So as we move on into 2023, let's seek to be walkers and followers of Jesus. He walked the walk and he talked the talk. And uh, I think we should be doing what we've been doing in 2022. The last three months, we've been praying. We've been praying for the church. We've been praying for growth in the church, praying for sick people in the church, praying for Ukraine, praying and praying and praying. And then in November, we had a month of invitation and we were inviting people to come to church. And we should continue in 2022 to invite people to our warm hub, to our bereavement group, to our venture kits, whatever activities we put on. We should be people who are seeking to draw people into a relationship with Jesus and the people of God. And then through December, we've been celebrating. And I think we've all been blessed to see the numbers of people who have been coming to church through the Christmas period. So let's continue to press on with Jesus, praying, uh, inviting, and celebrating his life in 2023. So our final hymn is, I Want to Walk with Jesus Christ, Mission Praise 302. If you have to have a book of uh, Mission Praise at home or one under your chair, I Want to Walk with Jesus Christ all the days I live on earth. That's the first line of the first verse. I want to learn to speak to him. That is praying. I want to learn to speak of him. That is preaching. (laughs) That's talking about Jesus, gossiping the gospel. I want to learn to speak to him.